American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is Perfect Purpose, and this is American football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Coach Q. What's going on, Q? What's going on? We back, baby. Once again, the AFF podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcast. The American Football and Feeling podcast is now available on more than 30 different platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. Let's jump into first down. So in first down, we get a chance to start fresh and discuss whatever is on our minds. Coach Q, What's going on with you today? As soon as you started talking, you came oh, here. But, um, you know what? Let me, <laughs> let me pause it because I, I was supposed to cut that anyway. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. T-I-F. And never forget T-I-F. It's first down when we get a chance to start fresh and discuss whatever is on our minds. Coach Q, what's up with you? Oh, not much, man. Just another good, good weekend, you know, in Florida, the Sunshine State ready to talk some football as usual other than that hey i went to a dinner party last night it was fun i'm feeling it right now but we back <laughs> uh for me uh actually nothing this this week this weekend not a lot going on actually watching all these games but these were better games than i think week one was so that's good but other than that i'm ready to get into it Okay, so the players of the week have been announced on our social media channels earlier in the week. But of course, we got to explain our picks in depth outside the stats. So first up, let's do offensive player Timothy Moravik from the Wasa Royals, the quarterback. Tim was 22 for 35, 246 yards, one passing touchdown. And then he had 58 rush yards and four rushing touchdowns. Q, I'm going to let you talk about Tim before I talk about it, because I can talk forever about this guy and how he played in this game. Well, I, I talked to him off off uh, away from the podcast uh, probably two days ago. And, uh, you know, just kind of was trying to give him a little encouragement too, man, because, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you feel like you might need a little more help and then you come into a game like this. It's still early in the season. Um, I think that was a great game by Vasa as far as him taking control um, of, of the offenses, some, sometimes you got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the best, the, the best, some of the, his best traits are his feet. And it's always been his feet since he played in Poland, you know, and moved around Sweden and stuff. And I, and I knew that was going to be a problem with him coming to Finland. But yesterday he showed, you know, he showed up for his team. I mean, he got in the end zone a few times, like <laughs> pretty he much. Had four touchdowns, rushing. All, all the scores. Against- was was involved him. in him yeah he was responsible for every point that they scored on offense that's for sure he showed up man you know you, you could see that he, he really wanted to take his team um, and get a w and that was big by boss because now boss is currently I, I believe tied for third place yeah so, they're tied for um, third now 
that's what you want. I mean, I, honestly, you know, you know, that's 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 where you want to be. It's a good spot to be in. You beat Corvo. Um, uh, obviously, they had they had a little more uh, than Porvo had. You know, as far as team wise, I think Vasa is just a more seasoned team, not so young um, in yeah. every part, every position on the field. So I think that that plays a part when they actually need to be in a game like they just played. Um, they needed that W, um, and that was a great game by Tim. I can't even take it away from him. He balled out. Uh, five touchdowns involved. I'm especially him, so, hey, glad. Man, man. I'm especially glad he did good because he he's one of those guys that like me and you both know him from all over Europe. And I wanted to you know gush on him early in the season, but after the week one game, uh, couldn't say nothing nice about my guy. I had to keep it 100. It wasn't great, but he redeemed himself. And this is the the Tim Morvick I think we're gonna see all season is a guy that you let him control the offense. Let the offense go through him. Uh, in week one, I feel like they were trying to run a specific game plan or something, and it just wasn't a natural flow. In this game, you could tell that Tim did what Tim wanted to do, and that worked for everybody else. Everybody played better because of what he was able to do. Him using his legs made the defenders have to look at him a little bit more. It took away what the Crocodiles had on the defensive line is because their pass rush was still there, but you can't touch Tim. That dude was moving. He was making defenders miss and making positives out of negatives, and that's just something that they have to keep incorporating in their, in their game. And the, the the way that they did it in this one just made it – I don't know why I said crocodiles. That's what I'm, I, I saw something that said crocodiles. I'm sorry. I meant to say butchers. I'm like, crocodiles. <laughs> but I was, I was going to say that what they did was they did make it easier for their offense to be effective defi- despite the fact that – it wasn't the crocodiles, but it was the butchers. Their defensive line was still on his butt the whole game. But you couldn't tell, like, because he handled it so calmly. And then he was still so efficient in both the run game and the pass game that anyone looking at the stats, you're obviously not going to be able to tell. But if you watch the game, both of these quarterbacks were running around. But Timothy was able to be successful with the pressure he was given. And it just it really stood out, especially this year in, in the Maple League where we've already said it, that we don't have the greatest group of quarterbacks yet. So this was actually one of the probably the best two quarterbacks that we're going to see for this is these two that played each other. And Timothy kind of outplayed Brandon for sure in this week. So that's why he got offensive player of the week. We talked way too long. It had nothing to do with him. But going on to defensive player, <laughs> defensive lineman from Sinioki Crocodiles. I think this is why I said Crocodiles earlier because I saw this on the paper. Uh, number two, Elijah Watson. And this is where our defensive player of the year, defensive player of the week is always different than normal media. He had three total tackles. That's that's what the stats look like. And we don't pick we don't pick these um players of the week off of stats. We don't look at stats when we pick them. We pick off mm-hmm. who we saw make the biggest impact. Elijah Watson, number two, was everywhere. I like to call everybody by their numbers. That's how I know who is who if I don't know him like his personally. Number two was everywhere, and he was impact in the game he's done this for two weeks now like you have to block this and i know they have seth zins and uh philip zakic out there as well very good defensive line crocodiles have one of the best defensive lines in the league but number two was controlling things like you you Mm. couldn't he was making things happen that made the roosters have to kind of run around differently what's really good about him that i really like is he's able to make tackles from the backside on the like, that's just impressive when you play defensive end and they run the ball away from you and you still make the tackle at the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage because you're able to squeeze and get over there and not be blocked. And Elijah Watson, he's 
unblockable. I have him and one other defensive line as my top defensive players already. Um, just in case anybody listening also, I'm already taking notes on who we putting on the all Finland team. Like I'm taking notes. It's only two, we only two mm. weeks in, but I got some favorites already. <laughs> Elijah Watson, this game, you know, just kind of shirted it up that he's going to be easily on the team, but probably out there for defensive player of the year. Like he, he was dominant. Do you have anything to add about his game this week against the Roosters? No, uh, he was active. He was real active. Uh, like you said, his stats didn't really blow you out the water as far as um, numbers-wise. But if you watch the game, you know he was active. And that's what you want a lot of times when you when you got D-linemen. It doesn't matter where they're from, Europe, America, Finland, wherever. You want them to be disruptive. Like, you don't have to always make the play. Um, but you, we do want you to create plays. And I think that's what he did. He, he, he is a, He's somebody that you have to worry about. Um, definitely coming from the backside. Um, and he's the type of D lineman that, that, that fits well with the San Diego Crocodiles football style. So, um, I think he balled out, man. I, I, I can't, I, I can't take nothing away from it as always. Um, it was some other people who stat lines may have been better, but I think he was yeah. very, very, um, um, important as far as keeping the roosters out of the, out of the, out of the, um, out of a rhythm. So, uh, he balled out. Yeah. And again, that's hard to do again. I, I consider his quarterback a running quarterback. Yeah, that's why he didn't have like sacks that we expect. We don't have he's not going against a quarterback, just kind of stay in the pocket. Uh Senate, I can't remember that how to say that quarterback's last name. I wrote it down too. Senadinos is is very athletic as well. And that had a little bit to do with it, but Elijah was still everywhere on the field. Defensive player of the week, man. Okay. So in case you missed it. Let's talk about some of the other key performances of the week from some of the players around the league. Uh, I'll run through some names. If you want to add something in Q, just let me know and we'll go with it. Uh, first guy, Hanez Haru, wide receiver, Corpio Steelers. Oh, man, it has been a ride watching number 80 kind of make his way to fame in the Maple League. I want to say in the last three years, we've seen bits and pieces of him. And I think this is the year, especially with Ambrose, a quarterback, that we get to see, you know, him be, you know, on that top level of finish mm-hmm. receivers. Um, mm-hmm. He had, he had what, four catches, four touchdowns, mm-hmm. 159 mm-hmm. yards. But let me go back to what I first said. He had four catches, four touchdowns. He was all or nothing in this one. And just one thing that was really interesting – I've seen pretty much every week that he scored a touchdown, including the international game, is he's he gets underthrown. I think he might be faster than what the quarterback is able, or or maybe he gets downfield a little bit faster than what the quarterback can do. But he always is able to come back and get that ball. That's one thing mm-hmm. that's really underrated by a lot of receivers. Is a lot of receivers, if they're running downfield and you throw it behind them, coming back for it is physically impossible sometimes because they can't change their direction, their speed, their velocity that quick to do it as well as catch the ball. But Haru, he had no problems. He had, what, four touchdowns, three of them, the ball was behind him or the defender and the ball was behind him. And he was able to go back and grab that ball and make Ambrose look better than he is as a quarterback. So in my opinion, he's definitely making a case to be the best finished receiver this year. And I think he could take that um, that SAJL finish offensive player of the year award away from Miko Seppinen. Finally, mm. Miko's won like eight years in a row. Like he's always <laughs> the only the only offensive um, 
finish player to win the award. So I think this might actually be his competition outside of and you know how that's gonna yeah. um next guy on my list. This is this is gonna be another underrated guy. I got Willie Linford's Linfors. Sorry, I don't know why I said Linford. Willie Linfors, linebacker from Helsinki Wolverine. I know the Wolverine's not gonna be good, but somebody gotta make the plays. And apparently number 14 is the only one doing it on their defense. <laughs> uh in this game this week, he had 10 tackles. And I mean, he tackled the Anthony Reason over a lot of times in this oh, game, right. and I'm just yeah. like, at least, it, and you know that if he doesn't tackle him, those are all touchdowns because no one else yeah. is doing anything. And I just want to give a shout out to Willie that, hey man, you got to go through some struggles sometimes, but you are the heart of yeah. that defense, and he's a great leader. And he he showed up this week, even in the game where they were outmatched, he still did his thing, and you get nothing but respect from everyone in this Maple League. Definitely, so, definitely. yeah, next guy. Oh, go respected. ahead, go ahead. I was just saying he definitely respected him. I mean, he fight hard, you know, just watching him play. Um, he He's just one of those people who you want on your team, honestly. Mm-hmm. Don't matter if you stack, if the team stacked or not. Like, you know he coming out to play every game. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel that. Uh, next guy I got, I got a long list. I, I like doing it. I feel like some of these guys need some of the shout-outs. It's uh, Yusuf Lettinen, running back from Helsinki Roosters. Number six, he only had 45 total yards rushing. But when he came in for Ville Hamanayanen, they kind of a two-back tandem. But he came in towards the second half, and there was a difference to how the Roosters were running the ball. He was he was able to get yards that previously weren't able to get in the first half. I think it had a lot to do with the different running styles. If you ever played running back or know, know anything about run game in football, in the first couple plays, couple drives, you're always told, well, good running backs are told. I can't speak for everybody. You're always told, stay on your line, hit the gap, go where the play is supposed to go. And what usually mm-hmm. happens is you don't get it all the time because the defense knows where the play is supposed to go. Linebacker sitting in the hole. You don't stop and go outside the hole. You go in the hole, meet the linebacker. You go in there, you press the hole, you meet them, get what you can. Second, I mean, second half of the game, third, fourth quarter, that's when it's a zone. You go in towards that hole, linebacker shoots it. And now I cut back because they're overplaying it because I've set it up from earlier in the game. I feel like when they brought in Yusufa, he was able to kind of do the setup off of what Ville did in the first half. Ville was very online with the run plays. Then when they brought in Yusufa, the defense was over pursuing. They knew where the ball was going and he was able to, you know, adjust off of that and make big plays. So it was, it was really good on the Roosters part of using two backs. But I think Yusufa coming in was really good to have him out there and just giving you a different look at the running back position for the Roosters. His skill set's a little bit different than what everyone else does. And he was able to put it on display. I know they didn't get the win and they weren't rushing for a whole bunch of yards. But him being able to make a few plays here and there did keep the Roosters in this game. Mm-hmm. So next guy I got is Christian Naltonen, wide receiver from Orvu Butchers. Number seven, if you don't know his name. I mean, I knew his number. I had to look up his name later. He had five receptions, 110 yards. Really impressive receiver. Like, he he ran short routes, deep routes, mid routes, got open, caught the ball. And that's one thing that's really hard to do out here, apparently, for finished receivers is catching the ball consistently. He was consistent. Reminds me of, of Johannes Johainen is that he's a good receiver. I'm not going to say he's like the most explosive big-time playmaker, but having him on that team for the Butchers gives Brandon Gwinner options. 
especially knowing that, you know, Miko Seppinen, he had a crazy catch in this game too. But, you know, Miko going to do Miko when he, when he feel yeah. like – but you have to have someone else. And, again, Lucas Arela, the young guy, is he's still an explosive threat, but you, you still need a reliable threat outside of Miko. And with Christian Planner, the offense has the opportunity to be really good if he's, you know, involved in the, the scheme like he was in this last game, five receptions, mm-hmm. 110 yards. That You can't ask nothing better from your third option at receiver. He's the third option, honestly. But he was so effective, I think he had the most yards out of everybody. So the really good game by Nottin. Last guy I want to talk about, I think you might have something to say about this guy, uh, Alpha, J- Alpha Jallo. Wide receiver from the Wassel Royals. My guy had 10 receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown. Biggest thing for me about Alpha this week was that he really stepped up as a number one wide receiver, not a gadget player. He caught passes in the offense. He ran routes, got open, made the plays that he was supposed to make. You know, he didn't really have a whole lot of big plays. I think that touchdown catch was 26 yards. That means the other 90-something yards he had on nine catches, that's like 10 yards a catch, which is really good, but it's more like Cooper Cup-esque numbers, you know? A lot of a lot of receptions, chunk yardage every time. And he did really good um, in both the screen game and the mid mid routes, you know, not so, not so much connection on the deep routes, but didn't have to because of the way the offense was going through Timothy Morovic. But it's... It's a, a little bit surprising to me because since I've known Alpha, I've always considered him more of a uh, – I'm trying to think of somebody to compare him to, but uh, more of a break the <laughs> whole game. Arvin. Yeah. You know, someone you get a ball to – like even last time that the Royals were in the Maple League, you know, he would have like four catches and four touchdowns. Like that's what you expect. But if this guy of all guys – can become, you know, a seven or eight receiving receptions a game guy for the Royals, they they might do more more than just make the playoffs because that's dangerous. Because I really think the only reason that he didn't have, you know, more touchdowns on a lot of those receptions is because the, the Butcher's defense was very sound and had two Americans who had enough speed to kind of get to the ball once he caught it. I didn't see him really being able to, you know, get out of there. But we did see on that kickoff return that he almost got out of there. And only reason he was caught was because they had an American on kickoff. That was lucky by the Butchers. So mm-hmm. I think receiver-wise, he just really stood out. This this might be him. Him with Timothy Morovic might be the perfect match for the Royals to really do something this year. Did you want to add anything mm-hmm. about that, about his play this no, week? Alpha, Alpha, like you say, sometimes you get caught up in being a, that that gadget player. And I think he never, he's never really had a quarterback. Well, or have. I think uh, Carl Stead actually used him more. As a receiver, um, but he he got hands. He got he can run routes. It's just I think people just so you like you said we're so used to him doing everything that the receiver part of him kind of gets put in the in the shadows. But this last game he showed that like I got hands. I can be uh, you know I I can do anything that any other receivers can do, and and he showed it. I mean, ten receptions probably should have had more. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but but he he can't you can't guard him one on one obviously. Um, but this was a nice breakout game for his season anyway. So I think they 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 got on the same page in Timothy. And you can see what their offense can do now. Yeah, definitely. Calling all you skills players, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. If you were born between 2009 and 2003, this midsummer is your opportunity to shine. 
we'll be hosting our annual AFF Nordic Challenge 7 vs. 7 tournament in Helsinki on June 21st. Top performers will be selected to join the AFF Team Revo 7v7 travel team that will be competing internationally in the autumn season. Team Revo will also play for the European Championship in the spring of 2024. Due to field availability, registration will close once we meet the maximum number of participants. So head over to our website and sign up today. Registration can be completed at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash Nordic dash challenge. So we all know the results of last weekend's games, but let's explain which teams won the game versus which teams lost the game. Uh, first game of the weekend was the Helsinki <laughs> Marines versus the Corpio Steelers. I'm going to take this one and just say <laughs> we all know the Steelers won, okay? It was, <laughs> it was, let me throw this out here because this was an interesting game to watch. I took notes because I didn't want to do the Steelers dirty and just ignore the game be like, we knew what was going to happen. So I decided to take notes on the game anyways. Uh, it was 35-0 at halftime. Uh, I did not watch the second half. I do not watch the second half of blowout games. Like, if you're up by five touchdowns, I don't care what happened in the second half. That's all about your teams figuring out some certain stuff, and that's cool, but they ain't got nothing to do with the outcome of the game. Like, it, it ain't got nothing to do with it, so I ain't watched the second half. But I do want to tell you about the first half stuff that I saw. The Wolverines had one yard of total offense at halftime. They had three yards rushing and negative two yards passing. And that was only because the last play they had before the half, they rushed for three yards. They were going to have <laughs> negative <laughs> yards at halftime. I'd already, I'd already written down negative one before they rushed for three yards or negative two. They rushed for three yards and they gave them one. So they had one yard at halftime. At halftime, the Wolverines had zero first down. At halftime, the Wolverines had six consecutive three and outs. At mm. halftime, the Wolverines had allowed 315 yards of total offense to the Corpio Steel. That's a wrap. They, it, <laughs> at halftime, it wasn't close. Wolverines really didn't do anything but spread their cheeks in this one. I just they didn't do anything to make you think that they could even slow down the Steelers offense or defense. The the six consecutive three and outs is what's the most telling. We we've said it before here on the podcast. You just need 30. You need 30 to win in a Maple League because everybody's going to be able to score. The Wolverines are proving us 100% wrong because their offense has no ingenuity. It has no creativity of how to move the ball. They do basic run plays. They do very easily to stop screen, and they force the ball to Will Young when everyone knows that he's the only one that can get them down. So that that's my thoughts. I, I got a couple more, but I'm going to let you talk about it. Before I get into oh it. man that that game no it was it was obviously Corpio is way stronger on both sides of the ball um, unfair matchup uh, I feel bad for the Wolverines obviously because they just don't have it this year I mean they just don't have a lot of their games that are gonna go like this um, because they just they don't have the the skill positions um, they they got a lot of young guys that are playing and uh, these are just gonna be growing pains stuff that they can learn from more. Getting them experience, and I just I I don't say I hate, but I it sucks when you play in a team like Corpio now um, when you're trying to go through that because they they kill your confidence. Um, and I and, and even when you bring in imports on a team like 
what the Wolverines have now. It's like it's it sucks sometimes because these losses, these losses gonna hurt. You know, you get your body battered and brooded, and I mean, uh, you brutally battered, and it just it's like, oh man, this is what I gotta look forward to. All, all season. you know, what I mean, you kind of question whether you want to do it or not. And this 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 is, this goes for the for the imports on on the Wolverines. I mean, you're there also to coach. Um, maybe you, you won't get a win every game or some games, but um, at the end of the day, if, as long as the guys around you are learning from you and they're learning from this process and they're learning from these games, then you can look, you can hang your head on that. So I think if anything, the Wolverines can look at this and just say, hey, you know, we, we can see what so-and-so can do, stuff that they can work on. But just matchup-wise, it's just not a good game. And it, it wasn't a great game to watch either. It just I watched the, I watched the whole game, and it's just, yeah. it was just like, oh, man, Wolverines is just – oof. It, it, it just – it was salty. <laughs> it was that, salty. Best thing the Wolverines got going is who I talked about earlier, Willie Lindforce. He, he did his thing. That, that was yeah. a, a bright spot they can always look at. Um, one thing I did see for the Wolverines, I saw – I thought that – I'm using numbers. I'm not. Use, I'm not calling anybody by their names outside of the two import guys that I know. But I'm calling numbers from this team until they start playing like a team that deserves me to learn names. But at the the running back position, they have number 33, and I think that his running style is just gonna hurt them over and over because he refuses to take the yards that are given to him, and he runs laterally so much that it it he's not fast enough, and they don't block well enough. For you to go lateral, you have to get downhill. The few times that I saw the number 48 come in and running back, it just, I mean, he, I don't think he's any faster than the starting running back, but sometimes he was just like, fuck it, I'm putting my head down, get three yards falling forward or get two yards falling forward. And it's just more consistent. I think if they really want to be able to move the ball and get into third and manageable instead of third and long, they might want to get a number 48 a, a few more shots with the ball, in my opinion. I know stats-wise, I don't think he had as much, but I don't think he had as many carries as the starter either. But it's one of those things where if you're not going to be – if your offensive line, their offensive line is not good, they're not going to give you a push, which means as a running back, you're not going to have the time to go lateral and get to an edge or get to another gap. You got to get what you can. And with your starting running back, if he's always trying to go wide or outside or break a tackle – which doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you break a tackle, but you don't go anywhere, and then another person tackles you later. That's just wasting time. While this other guy, I don't think he's as athletic, but he gets downhill. He can give you. He can help your offense more. I don't know if they've looked at that or even are thinking about looking at that, but that could be a way that they can make a little bit of a push and maybe stay on the field and get a first down every. Okay, I'm leading Wolverines long. I, <laughs> ooh, it's gonna be a long season with the Wolverines, but I do want to talk about the Steelers a little bit. Like I said, I don't want to shortchange the Steelers and act like, you know, we're not going to talk about how good you guys were in this game. Uh, I don't know the stats. I don't care about the stats. I know Lee Anthony got his yards like usual. What I want to talk about is when there was a fumble snap and Ambrose tossed it to Lee Anthony. <laughs> he ran to the right and then pump faked it. Like it was a pass. Somebody, it made the defender like slow down. Like, is he throwing it? Nobody running routes. It's a run play. From the game. So then the defender slows down and he shoots out of there, gets like, uh, what does he get? Like eight or nine yards. <laughs> I think he got five yards. Yeah. He was both, he was five yards in the backfield though, when he did the pump fake. And then he ended up getting five yards. Just another, you know, classic Lee Anthony reason or play of making everyone else not miss. Because it was a heads-up play, but it was really interesting that he was able to do that. Just that's something that stood out there. I knew he was going to. Another thing, why didn't Vincent McDonald play every this game? He wasn't suited up. I don't know. 
if you know, send us a message in the, in the DMs. People, we and that's another thing. Also, I appreciate people updating us on information when we don't know something and then send us a message. We will take all the information we can get, guys. <laughs> we're we're just going off of what we see right now. I know he wasn't suited up. I don't know why. Again, I don't listen to the um, telecast and finish. I actually to other podcasts about basketball while I'm watching the game. Uh, shout out to the Lakers and Denver Nuggets I'm following that series. <laughs> I, I listen to, to like basketball podcasts while I'm watching the football game because it it distracts me enough from the language that I can focus on the game and listen to that. But last thing I want to talk about is no, I already talked about this. Never mind. I was going to say, uh, good game by Ambrose Johansson. Your Hansen, he has six tubs. You can't ignore that. That was awesome. But I did say last week, I'm interested to see if he could get six tubs in this game. And he did. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. But I, I will stay adamant that uh, Hannes Haru caught four touchdowns and three of them were underthrown. And one of those other ones in the first half that I saw to the other receiver for the Steelers, that was also an underthrown ball. Just putting that out there. I think the Steelers are going to be fine. I think Ambrose is going to be fine. He's going to put up stats. But I do think if anybody decides to get some defensive backs or a secondary that could, you know, defend, it'd be different. Because Hannes can't all – I mean, he might be able to. I'm not sure. But I just assumed he can't always have to come back and grab the ball from the defender who don't know what's going on. Mm. At some point, they got to play somebody that knows what's going on, right? Or maybe not. Who knows? So – that's the Steelers Wolverine Steelers one. Second game of the week was the Helsinki Roosters versus Senioki Crocodiles. Uh, yeah, this was a close one, surprisingly, right? Well, no, not surprisingly to me. I picked the Roosters. Just throwing that out there. I picked the Roosters, and I thought it was going to be a one-touchdown type of game, and it went about what I expected. For, for me, I feel... Like the Roosters lost this game. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. The, the no, reason, no, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. The reason I feel like the Roosters lost this game is because it's one of those things where the Crocodiles let them stay in it. Like when, when they lost against the Steelers, the Steelers kept them at bay, but it never felt like, you know, you got a chance. I'm sorry. At the end of this game, they they drove down the field on the Crocodiles. Yeah, and like the, forty seconds left. <laughs> yeah, and the last play was in the end zone. A better throw, like honestly, the quarterback underthrew Santu. If he throws it to the pylon instead of at the defender or at instead of at Santu's body and throws it over him to the pylon, Santu's like eight feet tall. Throw it to the back of the end zone. Santu jumps up, catches that ball. We got we go to overtime, but instead we get an underthrow, and you know, and then we get a message on. Um, Instagram from the Crocodiles coaches saying, oh, look at our defender making one play. Good job, number five. You made one play. All one game. play. One play. One. Good job. Congratulations. <laughs> Hold on. Let me give you a slow clap. <laughs> he made one play. One and, play. And and don't tell me, well, you know, it, it was the difference in the game. No, if they scored, y'all would have still had to go to overtime. So you made one play. Congratulations. You delayed a game that should have went into overtime. But again, <laughs> that's how the game went. The Crocodiles were a better team, in my opinion. The Crocodiles were the better team, but they allowed the Roosters to hang around. And uh, in the words of uh, Coach Q. Floyd's, you can't count the Roosters out. You can't ever count yeah. the Roosters out. And this this was one of those games where 
Sinodinos, am I saying it right? Sinodinos, I'm getting better at saying Sinodinos did not play great as a throw-in quarterback, but as a runner, he was on it. And he yeah. he proved that if you give them this offense a chance, they can get in the end zone. They can get there. I think he had to score both touchdowns running, but I don't care how you get it. If you can do it, again, we talked about this earlier, and in this game, both defensive lines were really good. I think the the Roosters' offensive line just did a little bit better in the run game. And then in the second half, I think both offensive lines just had more stamina. Because if you, if you look at the stats in the first half, it was 0-0 in the first half, right? 0-0 at halftime. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, we got 21-14. And both teams are scoring by running the ball. CP put up 100 some yards. I want to let me look at this stat because I wrote this down somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, crap, it's on the crocodile side. The crocodiles had 50 total yards at halftime. They ended the game with like 227. So all their offense came in the second half of this game. And in the first half, the Roosters stopped their run game easily. The mm. Crocodiles had nothing going for them. And in the second half, it's like the floodgates open. Again, back to what I said earlier. I keep going back to what I said earlier in this podcast, but I'm, speaking, I'm uh, foreshadowing myself. In the run game, if you set it up, it works out for you. That's what I think both of these teams did is in the first half, they both weren't able to get a lot going, but in the second half, they both adjusted offensively. And that's why the points mm. came. And I, I still think that the Crocodiles should have been up, you know, 14-0 at half. Should not have been 0-0, and that's why they lost this. They well, they didn't lose it, but that's what that's what that's why the Roosters lost. It. That's why the Roosters lost it because the Roosters had a chance when they really shouldn't have, but mm. the Crocodiles did eventually get the win. Uh, what else? You got anything else you want to say about this one? I got a couple more things I'm gonna uh, there later. Man, you know, uh, I definitely agree with you. The Roosters lost this game. They had it in the grasp. Uh, they had a chance to win. They should have won. Um, a few things about this game. Uh, Roosters de- 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 defensive line front. Um, it's good. Fought for they was good. They played good. Yeah. Um, I think they had a few injuries um, during the game, but they played good against against this Crocs offensive line. Is running and is for the most part. Um, yeah. Now the Roosters have to make a decision. Though. I think it's very important the Roosters go back and look at film and say, "Hey, um, can we go the rest of this season?" And can we go on and do we have a chance of winning uh, with what we have right now? Um, I, I want to jump in that, on there because I, I, I agree with you. That's a, a good point. I'm I'm just going to play devil's advocate because we got to look at it like this. In two weeks, they're 0-2. And that we we all knew that was going to be possible. They could be 0-2. But yeah. yet, just if we're just going to be realistic about it, you lost to the number one team and the number two team, both of them by one touchdown. And you know that you can play better than both of those games. So mm-hmm. you look at this team as, from the Rooster standpoint, and I mean, I had them at number three. They they mm-hmm. kind of fallen into that place. I know they owe and two technically, but the two teams they lost to, I didn't think Top that. Teams. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to beat them going into the season, anyways. But the way that they lost to both of them, they had a chance. I mean, more of a chance in the Crocodiles than the Steelers. But it, after this game, it, it really makes you think, like the improvement that the quarterback made. I say improvement in the in the point that he did not have four turnovers. Like that's an improvement. He could have. He, he, he should have. He should have had at least two <laughs> interceptions. Uh, Yuhani Kovamaki, you know you owe him at least two of them. Uh, yeah. yeah, even the last one could have. Well, I think that was passing the first one, but it still could have been an interception too with a better defensive back. But again, that's what I'm saying is 
that first game, you're playing against the best team, and you have all those turnovers. It, it's a credit to that team's defense of being able to make those plays. The second best team isn't able to make those turnovers against the So now you got Senadinos who, in the second game, he ran more. They did a really good job making him a runner more than a passer, and it made their offense effective. I don't know how many of these other defenses that these are the top two d- defenses they're going to face. It's there's nowhere to go but up from here. There's the rest of the defenses in the Maple League aren't as good as the Crocodiles or the Steelers. I can say that confident. I think there's no the Roosters would be the third the third best defense in my opinion. So you should be able to score against everyone else. You should be able to run against everyone else. You might even be able to pass against other people because your receivers might be more open. But one thing that was super interesting in this game was when <laughs> the Roosters in the red zone and <clears throat> what's the, the small receiver of the American receivers, Pierce Dumay, I think is his name. He was lined up on the right side by himself wide and quarterbacks moves him to the other side of the field into a trips. Just tells him to move. And I'm just thinking, he obviously don't know what the play is. Like, there's no way he knows what the play is if you put him from outside wide to slot on the left. And then they run a, a quarterback option, a read option, where there's no chance that Senadinos was going to hand the ball off to running back. He had a, a, a open wide side to the field, short side of the field, but he had an open nub to the right with no DBs out there and just runs in and scores. For me, that was telling. It's, one of, it's kind of the opposite of what we saw in that first game where he didn't want to score on that run. I, I don't know if, if they've been listening to the podcast or if they had a team meeting, maybe they had a players meeting. They're like, hey, dude. If you here, you're gonna have to be here. You gotta have to become that guy. I, I really think in this game, Senadinos made that step up and, and kind of got accustomed to okay, I actually have to be that guy. I can't just yeah. go through the offense, expect that. I think the learning curve is tough when it's your first time playing in Europe. And I, I really think that he had a much better game. And I, I think that play kind of showed to me that he was able to adjust. And I think he called the play. I don't know who actually called the play, but I felt like he called the play and he was like, I'm going to keep this and I'm going to get us, you know, and he did. And with that type of attitude going against everyone else in the Maple League, that's not the Crocodiles or Steelers. I, I feel confident about the Roosters. And I, don't, I mean, I feel like I say that enough, but I feel confident they're going to be able to get wins for the season. I mean, I'm look, I'm looking at another eight. I know that's not where they probably want to be. But I feel like eight and four is not a bad look. Maybe even nine and three, because I still think they have to. They might be able to beat them. Mm. Um, mm. What else I got? I got some other stuff on the Roosters. On hold on, let me throw what I got in there. Uh, oh, did you, did you did you throw the stats out there? I don't. I don't really have the stats. I, I didn't even write down the stats. I don't care about the stats in this game. It was. Oh, go this ahead. This is why. But this is this is this is to the point I was trying to make was. Um, they have to make a decision to see if this is what they want to go with. Now, you definitely make some valid points as far as they they losing to the top, you know, two teams per se right now. Um, the way I was looking at it is like they they lost these two games at home. Um, they have to play these top two teams in their mm-hmm. home. I do think Santioki will play better at home. I definitely know Corpio will play better at home. So as far as these games being close again, it's possible. But I just feel like these other two teams are going to play way better at home. Um, and um, later in the Roos season, You're right? Yeah, yeah. Roosters quarterback, um, who fifteen to thirty-two. Um, not a, I mean, forty-seven percent average is is what you want to give it. Um, he threw for one hundred and forty yards, I believe. No touchdown, longest pass, twenty-one yards. Watching the game, the only thing they can really complete is seams, seam routes. This yeah. this is what they're trying to get. They're trying to get past that linebacker and before the safety 
uh, or if the safeties on, they're trying to get that seam route. Um, they can't survive on that. They can't survive on that. I think obviously it's a big difference with Miko Corkaline and calling plays compared to uh, uh, the Roosters' offensive coordinator now. Um, but they have to open up the playbook. I don't know if if they're just not because of the abilities that the quarterback has, but he definitely took it in hands as far as running the ball. He definitely, you know, he he showed like, all right, I got to do this because right now the passing game isn't working. So. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Yeah, I I agree with you on on that fact. That okay, you got me. You pulled out the stats. That's where you got me at, Q. You pulled out the stats passing wise. They they're. I mean, they're not one-dimensional because they can pass and they do – it's part of the offense and you have to respect it. But also him being able to scramble <laughs> is is effective. I feel that even more so than a quarterback, where's your other American at? Um, Pierce Dumay, he's he's the other guy. He's not their number one receiver. Uh, I don't care what nobody say. Johannes, you're hiding him. That's their number one receiver. That's your go-to guy. He's going to make the play. Santu is a great option and big play threat, Santu Vekamaki. But Johannes Johanan, that's your number one receiver. And then your third receiver is this Canadian. I don't know why I said American. Sorry, my bad. Uh, I don't, well, actually, I don't know. Pierce might be American. I just know he played in Canada uh, college. But he, your import is your number three option on a team that your quarterback is, is not what you – are expecting or accustomed to at the quarterback position that slows down your offense. Like you're not able to do certain things and it's no offense to the two finished quarterbacks who, I mean, two finished receivers who are really good. And again, Johannes is, is one of the best Finland ever had in my opinion. And if you want to argue about it, hit me up, but you paid for a guy to come in there and be a difference maker. And they don't, he's not incorporated into the offense well enough for him to be a difference maker. Now, I don't know if maybe he's not getting open, but I've seen the defenses that they've played against, and both of these secondaries are not very good. So he should be able to get open. Uh, game one, I fault the quarterback for not being able to co- connect with him. But game two, he wasn't targeted enough. He wasn't involved in the offense. And it, it just kind of gives you that, what are the Roosters trying to do? And I think they, again, were trying to get the confidence in the quarterback, and that was the number one goal. And I think – when you do that, you you have to remember there's only one ball. And if that other guy isn't getting the ball, I mean, maybe maybe put him on defense. Cause that reminds me also, them cornerbacks, them cornerbacks for the Helsinki Roosters, liabilities. Liabilities. Young boys. Look, first of all, first of all, why these corners out here playing seven yards and ten yards off and then bailing? Like, I, I don't know what defense y'all running. I don't. But whether it was man or cover three, I don't care. You give somebody seven yards and then bail, they they just throw in short stuff. And that's what the Crocs did. The Crocs were actually throwing, like, very short routes and catching it underneath. And then the Roosters have to come up. And I know that I've seen a couple of times, I've seen their cornerbacks playing at 10 yards off. 10 yards. Like, that's where they that's started. Crazy. That's crazy. I'm that's sorry. Crazy. I don't care. I don't care how good or bad you are. You can't play that. That's that's middle school, high school stuff where you can play that deep on receiver because he's there's too many routes that he can run on you now that you're that far away. When we start, when we start to play, they have to fix that on that end. And then even at the, at the end of the game, when the Crocodiles went down the score on that last drive, both of their cornerbacks gave up big play. And I I've tried to hold my tongue in a couple of weeks we've been doing the podcast, but now I got to call them out. 
Okay. You had number 31, I think is the number. I know Marno gave it up on that drive. And then a couple plays later, number 20, Oscar Toyola gave it up on that drive. And the worst part about this is these aren't your best corners, but they're the ones you got playing in in the situations where you need a play from your corners. Like at the end of the game, you know it's coming down to the line. Uh, I I was I would go of how my high school used to play me a corner when I was a sophomore. I was a starter. Every time the game got hard, they took my ass out the game and put in somebody better. <laughs> like they, like we had guys that were better, but they weren't they weren't playing corner or they were playing safety or they were a receiver. But when when the stuff got tough, they took me out the game, put in these better guys, and we just went on about our business. The Roosters, this was the game they needed to win. They have the talent in the secondary. I'm sorry, but I think Oxley Olin is capable of making a play where these kids couldn't make a play just by his savvy. He wouldn't have been in that position because he knows his speed is not what it used to be. You know, these kids, they don't understand how to play better because they haven't done it. But and I understand that you want them to get the reps, but when you need a game, you got to play to win. And I feel like defensively, yeah. they weren't playing to win with this secondary. And I'm sorry to call out these young kids because I think both of these kids are, but I have to I have to put these names out here so we know who they are as we go forward. Because if that's how it's going to be, we're going to be talking about them all season is the reason why the Roosters didn't live up to their potential. No, you're right. I, I feel yeah. like I'm – you know it's tough. We don't time these segments, and I know I'm over-talking on the Roosters. We haven't even talked about the Crocodiles. <laughs> I know. The Crocodiles but got fined. Crocodiles out here playing the first game, that was a scrimmage because they it was a loss because yeah. they didn't do what they were supposed to do. But we're, we're not a gossip podcast, so we don't worry about that. Let's talk about this game. Uh, Irvin blocked the field goal. First week, he blocked the punt. Now he blocked the field goal. Two games, two blocks. He might be special teams player of the year. Who knows? Because mm-hmm. that's special being able to do that. It's not easy to block any type of kicking. But also it says a lot to the team's other team's special teams of not focusing enough to get kicks off. Your punt and your field goal should not be. Um, I think the Crocodiles played a good second half of football. I think that first half, Hooper, it was just not good. They did not play a good first half. They didn't play up to their talent. They didn't. They didn't execute well on offense. Defensively, I thought they did really good. I think their their defensive line is aggressive and was able to get back there and hold the run. But against the pass, and not really the pass, more about when Sinodinos was able to scramble. They weren't able to get sacks because he was able to scramble. And and then it goes back to, well, your secondary has to do their job. And luckily for them, the, the Roosters' passing game wasn't good. So it canceled out. Then the second half, their, their D-line kind of just got tired. That's what, that's what I think. I could be wrong, but it just looked to me that, like, the D-line wasn't, you know, giving it their all on every play in the second half, and they weren't able to kind of stop the run because of – uh, what else about the, the Crocodiles? Oh, there was one guy that I could trust on all game, number two, Elijah Watson, you know, defensive player of the week. He did a hell of a job. Uh, shout out to him. Other, other than that uh, – what did you see on the crocodile side? I just didn't want to leave the crocs out. I think they played a a, a very uh, crocodilish game. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes they're a little bit inconsistent, but as far as the offense, when they when they needed it to go, it went. Uh, Powell, man, Powell, we trust. Uh, <laughs> that that fourth quarter, boy, I tell you, like he 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 kicked it in, and it's something it's something the crocs. It's like a it's like an ace in a hole. It's like they can use them. 
when they really, really need to. They can go through the game and, and feed them if they wanted to, but it's like, all right, we're just going to wait until that act, till we actually, actually need him. And he came through. Um, yeah. But like you said, uh, Irvin coming up with a special team play, that was big. The block field goal was big. Um, you kill the momentum. They don't get any points. Um, and that's what you want. You know, the Crocs need plays like that. Um, I think that this game, obviously, you know, they, like you said, they took a loss last week because of something that they probably couldn't control, um, which sucks. But they still came out. They got them a win. And uh, they did everything they needed to do. Um, it comes down to it. The Crocs were better uh, yeah. when they needed to be better. And and that's what wins your games. And can't take nothing away from them. The Crocs fight. They're going to fight to the end. They got guys over there who really committed to them winning. And they'll do whatever to win. So, uh, and they play as a team. You can see on the field that they play as a team. Yeah. And it was a good game. It, it honestly was a good game all the way down to the wire, even though yeah. there was some mishaps in it. Um, but it was a good game to watch. And I, and I think the next time they play, um, I don't think it'll be as slow as it was in the first half, yeah. but maybe more of a shootout. But but definitely it was, a, it was a good, good, good matchup game where you can see like, okay, they're probably the best two D lines going against each other, going against the – you know, somewhat uh, Roosters season offensive line, but but also the Crocs uh, big offensive line. So yeah. it was a good game to watch, and the Crocs did everything they needed to do um, when they when they counted. And uh, that was that was big for them. So and I, I'm 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 excited to see the rest of the season for both teams, but definitely the Crocs. Yeah, last thing I want to throw out about the Crocs is, I mean, obviously I'm not big into stats. I don't be looking at stats, uh, but I know we've said. I've said it anyways that, you know, the quarterback play this year hasn't been great. And Zach Whitehead hasn't had any, you know, impressive outings as well. But for this game, anybody looking at what Zach Whitehead did, I just want y'all not to blame that guy because I watched this game. His receivers left him out to dry this week. In that first half, especially, there was just a lot of dropped passes, a lot of balls that hit hands or even shoulder pads and just weren't caught by the Crocodiles receivers. And that's kind of how their offense goes a lot of times when they decide to open it up and give it to other people besides CP. If their receivers are on, this offense is almost unstoppable. But if their receivers aren't on, it it usually happens like that. And you you kind of, when you look at the stats, you end up blaming the quarterback. Like, oh, he didn't complete enough passes. But there's no stats right now for drop passes. And Zach Whitehead, his throws aren't great, but he puts it where they can make the catch. And they're not making the catches for him. And then they're setting them up for a tougher second half than what they should have. Like I said, they should have had one or two scores in the first half because they had the opportunity and the plays there. But I feel like the receivers just weren't up to snuff this week. And again, that that's just how it goes sometimes. These receivers are inconsistent in this league right now. But with the Crocodiles, I think that they'll continue to get better. And by the end of the season, you know, the Sarkola brothers are going to be, you know, A1 sauce as they as they always are. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that's that game. So the last game of the weekend was the Corvu Butchers versus the Wasa Royals. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out the first. Oh yeah, win or loss? Ooh, that's actually tough. I feel. I guess mm-hmm. the Royals won more than the Butchers lost it. Like I never really felt like the Butchers were going to win. Like, I guess. Yeah. What do you think? The Royals won. I mean, yeah. definitely the, the Butchers definitely didn't didn't <laughs> didn't lose the game in that yeah. aspect. It didn't really happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we didn't know we didn't know what they were going to look like anyway. Yeah. Um, so 
we kind of we do know it's not enough. I mean, yeah, it might be they they can beat the Wolverines, you know. But I mean that that might yeah that might be all you have to do, right? All you have to do beat the Wolverines. Yeah, I yeah. I think in, in this one both teams started off like really conservative and methodical. I think the Royals' first drive was like seven minutes, and the Butchers' first drive was like five minutes. The the only problem being that the Butchers' first drive was after the Royals had the ball for seven minutes and then five more minutes or like two more minutes because the Royals had two drives because they kicked a pooch kick, a pooch kick, and the Butchers didn't receive it. And it took a horrible bounce. Like that bounce, it came back to the kicker side instead of bouncing forward. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, your up back has to catch that in the air. It was a pooch kick. It wasn't wasn't an onside kick. It was a pooch kick, and it gave the Royals a 14-0 lead after that, it pretty much was a wrap. Because even, even though I think the Butchers came back and scored too, so it was 14-7. But your defense already played two series, and now they're about to play a third. They've been on the field too long. And after that point, they just really – I don't think the, the Butchers really had what it took to come back. I feel like the score got ahead of them so early, and that kind of stayed in the way of what they did on the offense. I saw the offense just not go the way I wanted it to go. What, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, uh, I, I agree. I definitely think uh, Corvo offensively has some – they have some weapons offensively with Mickey in there. Um, but I just think they need a little more definitely on the defensive side of the ball. They need a little more uh, – a little more help. I'm not sure if it's a linebacker or – It's got to be a linebacker. It's got to be a linebacker. linebacker. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I, the first thing came to. Let, let me just throw this out here now because – uh, number 55, Jesse Volksentilda, he was in there. Playing DT, he was in there. He In there, yeah. There, Timothy Morvick was running all game. When it was a pass yeah. play, he had to run. And he got a lot of yards scrambling because the defensive line for the Butchers is good. Um, I don't know their names yet. And I'm sorry I didn't look at the roster to figure out. But the number 93, he was in there. Number 95, he was in there. That's three, of their, that's three defensive linemen that was – in Tim's face the whole game. And then when that happens, or even in the run game, the Royals weren't able to run that well, but Suosti was able to find holes. Why is he finding holes if their defensive line is winning? Because ain't nobody mm-hmm. coming to field. And if ain't nobody mm-hmm. coming to field, that means you don't have any linebackers. They didn't have any linebackers. The only person they had um, playing linebacker or filling was their Americans who were playing safety and nickelbacker. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to another thing. Why are there American DPs playing safety playing nickel. And, and nickel and nickel? And nickel. <laughs> Alpha Jallo was over there cooking number forty-two again. I'm not. I'm not learning anybody's name until y'all start doing something. But number forty-two for the butchers out there getting cooked by Alpha. Yeah, While number the, one, number one should have been over there on Alpha yeah, the whole game. Number one, which uh, what is his name, Bikembe or something? I'm sorry yeah. about that. I no disrespect, but I think his name is Bikembe. Uh, throw out another thing about that guy. I saw how the game went. I seen the penalties. I seen the the body. Um, motion. He he's gonna get himself in trouble. He did a lot of yeah. jaw jacking. There was a lot of extra pushing and shoving after the play. There was when he tackled somebody or something. He's doing the the bass the football thing the kids do where you put your hand down and say he too little type of stuff. He too little. Yeah. A lot of extra stuff considering your team was getting worked. Like yeah. that that tells <laughs> a lot about a guy's character. Like he was there was a lot of like extra emotion going on for him. 
considering he was playing against just a finished slot receiver the whole game, who was probably like 12 years old because they played for the Royals. No yeah. offense, but he uh, wasn't. That was, that was a terrible game plan. Um, I, and I hate to do that sometimes, but him guarding, him being in the nickel position for what? Yeah, it, it exactly. wasn't like he was in a run game. He was <laughs> yeah. He was playing. He was playing as a a nickel backer. He wasn't feeling any. He wasn't helping in the run game. He wasn't stopping anything in the pass game. He was just on the field getting paid. I guess that's getting the paid thing. To sit there and talk no other than, and bro, you got you got a hey, coach at this point. Yeah, I'm a hey, coach. I got him. Unless yeah, he didn't right? want that work. Unless he just didn't want that work. Though. I don't so, think he wanted it. No <laughs> I don't think he wanted it. I think yeah. him and Alpha got into it early in the game, and I think after that. He ain't want no smoke. Yeah, we yeah. said it. I, I hope he's listening. He's like, he's like this man's <laughs> <bad>, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but only um one other thing. I'm I'm trying not to talk too much on the butchers because they were the losing team. But one other thing I saw with the butchers was just a lot of bad tackling. Again, probably from yeah. that linebacker position, it's just a lot of missed tackles. And from the defensive line, I kind of expect it. It's hard for those guys to win, get off of alignment, and then tackle somebody running full speed. But from the linebacker position, come on, guys. You can't just be trying to arm grab and just diving and hoping you get them. And these, I mean, these are football players who know how to play football. Uh, the Butchers defense just, they weren't up to the task. Normally, whenever I say the Butchers defense isn't up to the task, it's because their secondary is just horrible. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. But overall, it didn't make a difference. The mm-hmm. imports they had on defense didn't make a difference. Their linebacker core is now weakened, and it wasn't good. And you can see there's a glaring hole. They have to get that fixed. But more than anything, making tackles, that's basic football. They weren't able to make tackles in this game. It's just a weird thing. I'm, I'm done with the butchers. Like I said, Dallas yeah. Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys of the Maple <laughs> League. They proved me right. They proved me right in this week one. Hopefully they'll try to prove me wrong next week. Who knows? But let's talk about the Royals. I think the Royals did really good in proving from what they did. And I think the, the play calling offense, phenomenal. They they ran an offense that ran through Timothy Moravic, and you could see it was like a well-oiled machine. And they were able to get everybody involved. It wasn't just Tim running and throwing alpha. Um, what is the guy? Number 84, Oscar Korkiamaki. Korkiamaki. He was number 84. He was he was doing those tough routes. Uh, Nico Royko uh, folded him one time. He held on to that ball, though. Like, mm. hey, Tim, why you do him like that? Because he caught it. Uh, Nico Royko put the boom on him, and he held on to the ball. And he, he had a lot of, like, mid- to short-range routes going across the field where he was put in tough positions. He had to make difficult catches, and he kept catching them. And he was a consistent, like, outlet for uh, Moravik, which is – in my opinion, surprising because I expected to just see Alpha. Another guy that showed up, <laughs> number 39 for the Royals, Jonathan Pertola, who, mm. or, who, as far as I knew before this game, was a defensive back. And then he caught the first pass of this game. And from that point on, he became a fixture as a receiver for them. Uh I have said on record that this guy can't catch. <laughs> he proved me wrong. Shout out to Jonathan for finally learning how to catch. He couldn't catch mm-hmm. when I knew him, but he could catch out there. So that's good for him. Uh, another thing I want to throw out this game that was interesting. One stat I looked up. Timothy Moravik started the game nine for nine passing. He was nine for mm-hmm. nine. He was he was hot from the beginning of the game. And I think he ended up like 22 for like 27 or something like that. I don't care about the rest of the stats. I just watched the beginning part to see if he started off good. And I think that's what really made the difference for their offense is they started off hot. They started off 
in control, and they really control the entire game. Even in the second half, neither team really scored a lot. I think they both scored one touchdown in the second half. But I still think that the Royals were in control, and that made the game kind of easier for them. They were able to do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. And if they weren't successful, their defense was able to match the Butchers toe-for-toe. Um, DeMarco Artis, again, standout game. Number 33 was everywhere. I saw him push the tackle into the guard, into the quarterback, and then made Brandon have to, like, scramble. Like, he did He did it with one bull rush. He ended up going through two offensive linemen. And it was just incredible to watch him, like, bully their O-line the whole day. And unfortunately, I don't know if he had any sacks in this game, but Brandon Gwinter did a good job of running around like a chicken with his head cut off. But he was still impacting the game greatly for that defensive line for the Royals, which gives them a lot to think on on defensive front, that they're going to be able to pressure some of these other teams that don't have more agile quarterbacks. No, I agree. I definitely that, agree. He, he just he, – he's – he's uh, Brandon Gwinter is, is Tim Tebow-ish. Yeah. But just with a better arm. Um, yeah. I think I think they'll get better. I think Portville will get better. Offensively, um, I think they'll get better. Yeah, and if you look, the rest of the season. If you look at both teams, uh, both quarterbacks were running around a lot. Like these two o- yeah. D lines were really good. These two O lines were kind of overmatched, but Tim was able to, you know, be more successful when he ran around. He was able to actually get it to receivers and stuff. While Brandon, on the other hand, I don't think he had as much help. And also, I mean, they were running a different offense. His, I think his offense didn't help him. Too many deep throws that just really couldn't connect on because of him not being in position. You know, when I'm deep throws, if you don't have your feet set, you're not in the right spot. It's hard to be accurate. Well, he's got to scramble and then launch it downfield. I saw that a lot, especially in the second half where his mechanics were never right when he threw the ball because he couldn't get set up anywhere because his offense was getting creamed up front. So that that's just how the game went. Royals deserved to win. They played better, but uh, Butcher's, you know, Maple League debut this year, not great, but they're the Dallas Cowboys of the league, so we, we know what to expect. They'll beat the bad team. American football in Finland. 